it exactly that you bring to this? I'm a planner. I make plans. You've already made the plan, so... If the existing plan fails, I make a new plan. So you make plans that fail? No. He also plays the loot. Not relevant. Hello and welcome to Lost in Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I'm your host, Leo, and today we are talking about something relevant again. Yes, as the title discusses, we are talking Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Something that I am quite excited to talk about. But before that, let me just go ahead and say that at the end of this episode will be the first update in the challenge. As I talked about in the recent short, as well as the recent uh, video and mini-ish podcast episode that I posted, uh, starting today, when this episode goes up, April the 3rd, going on, I will be reading all of the Percy Jackson books, as well as Percy Jackson-related media, save for one thing. Well, one set of three things. <laughs> and I will be reading three Spacer books to keep my sanity there. But the first of the updates will be at the end of this episode. And at the end of every episode going forward. Weekly. So that, that's going to be fun. But there's a bit of a caveat. This week's update is a bit of a special one. As I haven't started the challenge yet as of recording this. And also uh, technically as of the beginning uh, of the challenge on the, the first day. Because I'll probably have started it around the time maybe a little bit later in the day, uh, this episode goes out. But, you know, I might start it at midnight. I don't know yet. I'm I'm now me, not then me. So we'll, um, we'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> but for this update, I will be going over my strategies for what I intend to do during this challenge. Like my, my kind of, my, my train of thought, so to speak. We'll talk more about the challenge later, you know, at, at the end of the episode. But anywho... Uh, with that out of the way, let us dive on into Dungeons and Dragons. Now, my history with this movie, and I guess Dungeons and Dragons in general, isn't exactly a super deep one, I guess. I got interested in Dungeons and Dragons, I want to say like five to ten years ago, give or take. And my my interest, my, I was always interested in it, but I never really attempted to do anything about that. For a long time. Uh, because for the most part, D&D was just kind of this mysterious thing that people, you know, played and whatnot. And I, I would look at media of it and I actually had watched at some point because we had we had it on VHS. The um, 2000s, like that came out in the year 2000, uh, Dungeons and Dragons movie, which is not very good. Uh, <laughs> that, that one's not very good. Oh, well, it's a shame. But, you know, what can you do about it? make a better movie and i will say up front that i feel that they did with this movie they, they actually went and did a better movie so i, I give them you know a, a little a little round of applause there because you know they, they took a franchise that hasn't had the best uh, media representation uh and did something good with it and i i applaud that uh I haven't played a whole lot of D&D myself. I've played D&D-based stuff, like D&D Online, um, and other video games, I think. Maybe a, a, another video game here or there. And then I played a few sessions with some friends, a few sessions with some family. But other than that, I haven't played a whole lot of it. I've mostly listened to D&D podcasts. Um, 
I've listened to The Adventure Zone as well as D&Ds for Nerds. And both of those series are fabulous and funny and great. But I would say if you're looking for just pure dumb fun and what you might kind of expect from D&D, you know, not necessarily super serious and dour, I would recommend D&Ds for Nerds, actually. Because one, there's some homebrew stuff in there that I absolutely love. They tend to stick solely to D&D, as the name of their show is D&Ds for Nerds, while the Adventure Zone kind of wanders the different games, which is not bad, but uh, does lead to some tonal whiplash between uh, series. So, anyway, <laughs> with that aside, let's kind of talk about this movie a bit more, of course. <laughs> so, it had a bit of a tall task, because D&D is, of course, about people immersing themselves into a world you know you, you kind of have your own investments because they're your characters you are the characters essentially so making a movie or a tv show or whatever tends to be a bit difficult that's why D's kind of worked more in video games than it has anything else <laughs> like the the D movie from the year 2000 had a massive issue it didn't really rely on any of the source material that was out there. In fact, because D&D is so heavily reliant on the user, especially back then, it's kind of hard to actually make a different story, except for if you got someone who knew D&D really well. And it seems like they didn't for the uh, 2000s one. They misused monsters, barely had any monsters in it, and it just overall was kind of bland. Where this one, you know, corrects a lot of that, which I think is good. Uh, there was also a D&D TV series, uh, which I don't know a whole lot about, to be honest. I know that it had a dungeon master, and then like pretty much all of the different classes in, in one thing. And I think it came out in the 80s? or 90s maybe i'm pretty sure it came out around the 80s because i'm I, th I think it it was like around he-man time i'm not sure <laughs> I, I haven't watched it to be honest i've seen clips and images but i haven't watched it but that that is another thing the 2000s movie just tried to do something vaguely fantasy and it, it didn't work out for it this movie luckily has learned from the mistakes of the past and decided to just cram pack it with D&D &D stuff. By one, starting with the setting. It is set on the Sword Coast, a very recognizable location for D&D &D fans. And that is very important. There's recognizable creatures, recognizable races, you know, they're even called out by name, and it's great. Even some, like, legendary characters are called out by name, and that's good you know it's fan service for some people it might be just especially that are like steeped in D, &D which luckily i'm not not that deep into it i have a couple of i have a set of D, D books that's kind of been like compounded into one i can't remember what it's called it's like raven something i think i, I don't know i i haven't i haven't read it yet i i intend to read it at some point but i haven't gotten around to it and i probably won't get around to it this year you know because reasons. <laughs> but again, this this had to kind of step those hurdles. And I feel it did. It it acknowledges D&D's history. 
and that is quite important, as well as makes it seem realistic to a D&D game, at least in my opinion, you know? There's, there's a bunch of dicking about and whatnot and them just doing silly stuff, and that's what d and is all about, to be honest. While it does keep a fairly serious tone at some points, it's able to imbue it with a good amount of humor that, you know, d and known for. You can take a super serious moment in a D&D campaign and just fucking piss all over it because you never know what your players are going to do. You can never trust your players to behave, as you, as you might say. But it's, it's all about, you know, trying stuff. Although I will say, and we'll get into it a little bit later, that it, it gets a little bit left-turny, I guess, um, where it'll acknowledge the kind of silly plans that are made up in D&D, but then it'll kind of pivot and go away from it. But it still works really well. So now, let us kind of go over the plot of this movie. It is, it's a fairly light plot, to be honest, but also spans a really long time and uh, changes some things around. But let, let's dive on in. So we begin in a prison. Now, I, I will also, real quick, step in and say I'm not going to be referring to the characters' names because, to be honest, I don't remember their names. I literally saw this movie today about uh, 12 hours ago. I would have been, like, neck deep in, in the movie. So... <laughs> So you'd think that they would be fresh in my mind, but it's D&D. Some people have just elaborate names or silly names or it's fantasy names, to be honest. The only character's name I remember is the Aarakocra, who is part of the council that kind of determines if you get released from prison. Kind of the um, D&D equivalent of a parole board. Uh, and his name was Jarnathan. Not, not Jonathan. Jarnathan, and uh, I, I, I really liked uh, him. <laughs> it was a fun bit. But we, we start off in the prison, where a prisoner, a new prisoner is being brought in, and he is brought to the cell with the bard and the barbarian. They are chilling out in prison. Uh, he tries to hit on the barbarian. She doesn't like that, beats the shit out of him. You know, classic stuff. And then we cut to a scene where they're kind of just breaking some ice because I guess that's their that's their like manual labor at this prison is breaking some ice. Then he he's discussing their their plan for potential escape and really it's just they're hoping that with Jonathan there they will be able to be granted leave or granted uh, granted pardon to where you know they'll be able to leave. And so they're brought before the parole board, as I'll just call them. J Jonathan's not there. They inquire as to where he is. He got caught up in the storm, he, so he was running late. And they move forward. And thus we get the Bard's backstory. The Bard's backstory is that he was part of this group of do-gooders, essentially. But people who go about helping people, asking nothing in return. Which is, you know, a, a noble thing, and quite nice. But he wasn't quite so happy with the nothing in return deal. But he went on about his way. He had a wife and a daughter. And sadly, 
the Red Wizards weren't so kindly, weren't so happy with him leading to the arrest of one of the Red Wizards or arresting a Red Wizard. Because he was essentially like a weird undercover cop, essentially, from the, from the looks of it. But he, the Red Wizards find his wife and kill her. And luckily his wife had stored away their daughter and, you know, the daughter was fine, but the wife died. At that point, he renounces his oath with the, uh, I can't remember the name of their group, but we'll just call them the do-gooders. He, he renounces his oath and he says, he kind of starts going on a bit of a downward spiral. He meets the barbarian and him and the barbarian kind of end up raising the daughter together. They become thieves, you know, because as I believe the quote from the movie is, you come to realize that some of the things that you want the most are just a pane of glass away. Which I think is a, a fun little uh, saying for thievery, I guess. But it, it's cute. It's fun. Um, you get a little montage of them beginning to thieve and the kind of building of their initial group, which includes the sorcerer and I guess I'll just call him the con man. Because again, I, I can't be fucked with the name at the moment sorry but he he goes by the con man kind of and he they kind of form this group along to help this wizard which person with getting a specific artifact from this vault so they and specifically he was after a tablet uh i can't remember exactly what it's called but it's essentially a tablet of resurrection and he intends, I think it was like called the Tablet of Revival or something like that, which is supposed to bring back someone from the dead. And the thing is, his his wife had died, and there was nothing that they could do about it because she was stabbed with a red wizard's blade. And a red wizard's blade is pretty much nothing you can do about it except this tablet. So that is what he they are, at least he's going on this little heist for. And once it is found, he accidentally triggers a trap, and then him and the barbarian get caught in a time stop field, and are then sent to prison. So that, that's kind of the explanation for why they're arrested. And just as he's finishing up his story, the Aarakocra comes in, they grab him and leap out the window. And as they do that, the parole board says, but we have proved your... We approved it. So they escape and begin trying to pick out what happened, like where everything is. And they, they discover that the con man has become much more in the past two years uh, as he is now the leader of Neverwinter, which is kind of where we start properly getting like the, the nice things. I mean, the Red Wizards and whatnot are like a big enemy in D&D in D&D but when they escape you you see like the map of the Sword Coast and that's where they start talking about where they are you know Neverwinter, Baldur's Gate, Sword Coast you know throwing out some names to really help immerse you in this world which is nice <laughs> really and then we kind of start hearing a little bit about the Barbarian's past but that doesn't really come to fruition until later down the line. So they head to Neverwinter to see what's going on. 
he reunites with his daughter, who is not really happy with him for having left. And this is where we find out that the con man has been kind of... He, he kind of took over being a dad. He finds that he really enjoys being a dad. But, you know, he he's pretty much doing what he always does. He lied to her, claiming that instead of a tablet of, like, resurrection or restoration or whatever it's called, it's a tablet of greed or fortune or whatever. Basically, that he left her over something quite small, you know, money. He was being greedy because he's a thief. And we find, we also find out that he didn't, we find out that he kind of triggered the, uh, we find out that he has been working with the witch who is the one that triggered the stop, the time stop spell and trapped them in there. He was trying to catch the bard and the sorcerer, not the bard and uh, the barbarian. So, whoops. But, you know, he can't do much about that. So he tries to have them rearrested, but the witch says that, you know, tells the guard to just take them out back and kill them. And that's where they make their escape from Neverwinter. And they, you know, go on with the next parts of their plan, which is to find the sorcerer. They find the sorcerer doing, well, just cheap magic tricks in, like, a theater? At least he calls it later on. Uh, but it turns out that he's also robbing his audience. Then they have to make a quick escape. Then they decide that they kind of, they need a druid to, you know, follow through with their, with their plan. And luckily the sorcerer knows a druid. He tried to date her once and it didn't quite go as planned because she didn't like how self-loathing he was. But they come across a woman tied to a tree, a bunch of guards trying to, well, kill this woman tied to a tree. And there's a bit of a confusion. The horse turns into an owl bear, starts completely wrecking the crew that's around there. While the party just kind of sits by and watches. Then they meet the druid in like the trees. They kind of try to convince her to join the party. She's hesitant at first but eventually joins. Then they come up with their kind of plan. After they have the druid scout the area. They learn that the witch is a red wizard. Or the witch slash wizard slash sorceress is a... Just a red wizard, so it makes it a lot more simpler to, to talk about her. She's a, a red wizard. They don't fully understand what the plan is, why she's working with the con man, or why the con man's working with her. They, they don't fully understand. But they learn that the vault, where a bunch of money and the tablet are going to be, uh, is locked by a very specific spell. The problem is that spell is pretty much unbeatable. You cannot break it unless you're like an extremely powerful sorcerer or you have this one magic item. But the problem is no one knows where that magic item is except the barbarians, people, the, the people that booted her out, they know where it is. But the battle that the crown was involved in uh, happened like over a century ago and so it, 
they, they're going to have to talk to the dead people. And luckily, the sorcerer has just the thing for that. So they begin their journey towards the graveyard. They run into, uh, they make a bit of a pit stop to kind of resolve the barbarian's backstory. And then we move on to the graveyard. There's a fun scene there. They learn that a person who's not really part of the Red Wizards, but he's, he's part of the people that became the Red Wizards. And that's not great. So they have to find him. He is a paladin. And very, oh boy, he is very paladin-y, I'll, I'll say. They find him, They he takes them to get the crown, they run into some trouble, including a big old chonky dragon, they escape, and then the sorcerer tries to attune to the crown, or the helmet, and is having trouble. There's a bit of a schism in which it turns out that the reason why his uh, the bard's wife was killed is because he took some red wizard treasure and he didn't know that they marked the treasure and were able to track it down and he only had the misfortune of not being there when they you know attacked and thus his wife was killed uh, after rousing his party he then they they go into their plan for infiltrating the neverwinter castle it goes off pretty well they split the party always a choice thing to do in fact they they take it a step further they split the party in three which is mm, beautiful so it's a it's the bard just running about the barbarian and the sorcerer and then the druid that's kind of how the party splits the the paladin leaves after the the helmet is obtained and he just wanders off which is you know, hilarious, but the the plan goes pretty well. He's able, to, the sorcerer's able to attune to the helmet just in time. It gets into a, the vault, uh, but the vault's empty. The druid who stowed away into the vault is kind of confused as to where she is, and it turns out she's under the arena where um, some sports that were banned are now being played because new ruler new rules uh, or i guess in this case new ruler old rules but they kind of figure out after uh, everyone gets caught that he is planning to flee with all of the treasure all of it you know everything that he got and everything from two other very rich leaders of two very rich towns so he's planning to skedaddle with the daughter. They don't, they're not focusing too hard on putting the puzzle pieces together because they, they're now forced into the games that were banned until very recently. Uh, in which they are kind of pitted up against not really other opponents, technically. They're, they're more pitted up against the um, uh, displacer beasts. That's it. They're pitted up against displacer beasts. There's chests littered throughout this maze. They, they have to flee the displacer beasts. Um, there's some traps here and there. You know, it's it's a fun little dungeon game, which is nice. And this is where, like, one of the best Easter eggs in, in the movie appears. And that is the cast, or at least the characters, from the original D&D &D cartoon, which I find very cute. 
It's very cute, very fun, and much appreciated. Because it, it, it's just one of those details that you find nice. They, they don't say anything, and they don't really do much, and their fate is ultimately unknown, technically. <laughs> they could have escaped. Who knows? But the party escapes from the games, go to the boat, hijack the boat, and leave. Until they realize, oh, uh, that, that's, what, that's what her plan was. <laughs> so the Red Wizard's plan was to pretty much pull a repeat of what happened in the country where the Red Wizards are from. Which is gather a bunch of people into a small area... And kill them with a spell that'll turn them into red wizards. You know, the way you go. So red wizards, from what I was able to put together from this movie, are beings who were killed by a specific spell and are now technically immortal and uh, evil. Just pure evil. It's a nice pure evil bad guy. You know, classic. So the party in a way to get everyone out of the arena to save them, just dumps a bunch of gold using the uh, teleport rod they got earlier to dump the gold all over the city and get people out of the arena. With her plot foiled, uh, she turns her anger towards the party and the party fighter. Barbarian gets wounded and the bard uses the resurrection tablet to bring her back because... She is technically the only mother that his daughter knew. He was bringing back her mother for... He was wanting to bring back her mother for a very selfish reason. That he wasn't trying to bring back her mother. He was trying to bring back his wife. You know, he, pretty much saying he was being selfish. He, he wasn't doing it for his daughter. He was using his daughter as an excuse, essentially. But his, his daughter didn't know her mother. She knew the barbarian. To her, that was her mother. So, you know, it's very nice. Then the movie ends. That's it. Uh, it kind of leaves it open for a sequel and whatnot. We'll see. Oh. <laughs> now with the story out of the way, some, some things. Like I said, I loved the I loved the Easter egg of the D&D cartoon characters. I loved that. Though there wasn't a Dungeon Master, which is from the cartoons, but that's fine. I wish, kind of wish that they had put in a post credit scene just kind of showing that they're still alive. That would have been nice. Because the last we saw them, they were in a cage in the middle of the arena and the party before entering the cage, which is technically the ultimate goal of the maze, uh, pretty much say, nah, no, because if we go into the cage, it'll just be more trials and whatnot and they just fuck off. One of the worries I had from watching the trailer, which after watching the film and recently re-watching the trailer, I absolutely kind of see where some worries came from, that it would just be a repeat of the 2000 movie, because some of the jokes are kind of the same, some of the basic plot is kind of the same, and it's also very generic D&D, as described in the, uh, in the, <laughs> in the trailer. Because the trailer advertises as the classic D&D story, Oops, we helped the bad guy. In which you pretty much hand deliver the bad guy a powerful artifact and then they immediately become evil. That isn't quite the case in this movie. 
yes, they technically helped the bad guy get the item, but they still hide their intent for two years. So, you know, overall, not the worst. Not the worst. Then, in the trailer, there's also a bit in which you see them just dive headfirst into a gelatinous cube. And a gelatinous cube in D&D is a highly acidic creature that, you know, holds on to you and just eats you. And I was worried, watching the trailer, that they were kind of misunderstanding a gelatinous cube, just assuming it's just normal slime. But in the movie, it it's perfectly used. You know, yes, it's highly acidic, but you have some wiggle room, and as long as you ha there's someone outside to pull you out, you're fine. So, it, it works in the actual movie. <laughs> so I, I was worried, but my, my worries were for naught. The only other thing that's a little bit, eh, slightly disappointing, is that they kind of lean into some of the tropes and whatnot of D&D classes. So, you know, the barbarian does a barbarian rage. But it's subtle, which is nice. Uh, the druid, which is a form-changing druid, or shape-changing druid, shape changes and whatnot. And it goes into everyone's sad backstories, which is nice. I, I feel that it really touched nicely on the D&D things, you know? You get everyone's sad backstory because every D&D character has a sad backstory. Every player has a vaguely sad backstory. It's never a, yeah, I, I'm just happy to be here, to be honest. You know, I'm, I, I, I had a happy life growing up. I uh, just decided to do this for fun. <laughs> you rarely get that. But <laughs> in, in this... Everyone's backstory is explored. A lot of plots are resolved. So it's like the DM, you know, carved out this nice little section for this person to explore their backstory. And I liked that. You know, the, the sorcerer has the facing himself moment or facing his past moment or the facing his family history or family legacy. There we go. Uh, the barbarian has facing her X and the bard has accepting his you know wife's death finally and, and overall beautiful the only character to actually fully improve their skills was the sorcerer he went from kind of shit at magic to being quite good at magic at the end uh, and something that I, was, I enjoyed was the fact that he uses wild magic he is a wild magic sorcerer, and I really enjoyed that, because the effects were nice to see, honestly. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, I, I was a little bit disappointed in the fact that the bard doesn't do a whole lot of barding. He sings songs, yes, uh... He does what I'm willing to classify as bardic inspiration, but it's almost never in a combat situation. Uh, and he does absolutely zero bard magic. Because bards are given access to cantrips, uh, spell slots, and whatnot. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I don't know why he doesn't have any magic, but I do enjoy the fact that his loot 
is a reinforced loot. It's a loot that you can beat people over the head with. And I like that. It's nice. I'm I'm quite happy with that, honestly. <laughs> uh, sequels. The movie does leave it open for a sequel. The person that they thwarted wasn't, you know, like the top dog. They were just kind of, I guess you could call them a branch manager. Because <laughs> the, the person who staged a bit of a coup and created all the Red Wizards is back in, like, the capital of the Red Wizards. Uh, this person was sent to, you know, pretty much repeat the process in Neverwinter. Get everyone in one place, turn them all into Red Wizards. So that they could then expand their sphere of influence out of their bit of territory. Um, so, yeah, so th there's an even bigger bad guy. But we'll see. We'll honestly see how well the movie does uh, and whether or not it will get a sequel. I honestly think that with the cast and crew and everything, it's perfectly good for a sequel. They did a really good job with this movie. Uh, and I do, real quick, before ending off, want to talk about a little bit about my experience uh, watching the film. One, some of the things that were available uh, at theaters amazing like some some of the extras that you could get absolutely amazing so at if you went to an amc theater the popcorn bucket that you could get was a fabulously designed massive d20 and i absolutely loved that but if you went to a cinemark theater the popcorn bucket that you could buy and i did is the chubby dragon's head and it its head pops open around the brow and the horns and it's absolutely hilarious and i love it it is beautiful yes i got it i'm absolutely ecstatic with it they also had a really cool cup like the design of the cup was really cool but they were out of it it sucked we had to get the Super Mario Cups for next week, as I'm, I plan on watching Super Mario next week. I'm not doing an episode on it, because my planning is terrible, and I'm getting tired of shifting my schedule. <laughs> so, I'm not doing an episode on Super Mario. That's just going to have to wait. Uh, but, sitting in the theater, it was a nice experience overall. I loved it. But something weird, because when the movie started, it didn't. So on the screen, it came up as like, like a, a banner that said Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves. And then it was like this cool thing where it's like supposed to be like the dragon pushing through the screen and whatnot. And then it burns away the, the screen. Cool. And then it cuts from that to the cast of the movie saying, gee, guys, thanks for watching the movie. You're the, you're the heroes for for watching the movies in the movie theaters. You you guys are the you you're the heroes. And it was very awkward, kind of like that. It it was weird. And then they're like, "Enjoy the movie." Okay. Did did they did they play the wrong version of the movie? Did they did they play the screener version for people who matter? It, it's very weird. <laughs> very weird. I I guess some movies might have been doing this. I, I would have expected this maybe like a year ago when movies were a year or two ago even 
when movies were just coming back into theaters and people were like, oh, thank you for watching movies in theaters. It's, it's just really weird to see. I, I was not expecting it. Then when the film was over and all the credits had rolled by, as I was leaving the theater, the the guy who was like waiting to kind of go in and clean, he's like, did you enjoy the movie? I was like, oh, yeah. And he's like, better than the one from the year 2000? I was like, yeah. <laughs> did they actually pay attention this time? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's funny that even the movie staff's just like, man, the 2001 sucked. Is this one any better? <laughs> that was kind of fun. But anyway, that's that's me on the movie. Overall, I, I absolutely enjoyed the movie. It, it was beautiful. Uh, I, I did, you know, of course, spoil the entirety of the major plot here. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, but I do always say expect spoilers if you uh, watch watch listen to, listen to this podcast because i have trouble separating it between the two because you know the, the non-spoiler bit will always be super short so i, I just tend to skip it anywho <laughs> especially with these ones that come really fast my brain can't be asked so i'm sorry so yeah but overall would i recommend it absolutely see it in theaters yes it, it actually works really wonderfully in theaters to be honest uh you know be careful be safe uh, but it's fun, you know? Yeah, I think that that's good for now. Uh, so let us transition on into the next bit, which is the first update for the challenge. Now, as I said at the beginning of the episode, I don't have anything to really update you on because I uh, <laughs> the challenge begins today as of the release of this episode. So I will just kind of go into what my plan is, my strategy for the challenge. And I think that that's a, a fun, interesting kind of first update, uh, as well as kind of going a little bit deeper into my intentions and plans and how I foresee things going. But yeah, so let's start off with the um, Kane Chronicles shaped hole <laughs> I've already discussed this a few times in the sh in a short and in the challenge announcement video slash podcast bit, but I I don't think I fully explained it, or at least not that well. So when I was planning this initially, I completely forgot that the Kane Chronicles existed, to be honest. I planned... The 26 weeks, kind of arbitrarily, but at the same time, deliberately. I wanted a, a week for every book, plus some emergency weeks. Because I do foresee some books taking more than a week. So what what am I going to do? How, how am I going <laughs> to uh, do this? Well, I also figured, you know, people like making things difficult. But I'm not going to make it you know all that easy for it to become more difficult so i i'll i'll set a goal and if the goal is met then i'll i'll make the changes and add in the cane chronicles so that goal is just a fairly simple 1000 subscribers on youtube and a general increase uh, of listeners on the podcast through podcast catchers or, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, like, YouTube's 
fine. It'll help with the, the first bit, the first go, regardless, so that, that's fine. But ideally, for the increase in podcast listeners, I would like it to be on a podcast catcher. But, you know, to each their own. Uh, but, yeah. So, how does factoring in the potential of the Kane Chronicles affect my strategy? It, it actually kind of affects it quite a bit. Because if the King Chronicles are added into the lineup, I do have to, one, figure out where the hell I'm going to place them. I'll probably place them in around a spacer, maybe. Uh, but that, that's for future me to worry about. I'll, actually, I'll probably put it with Magnus Chase, because then it's just adding one additional book to that set, I guess. Anyway, moving that away. Just away, away. Uh, I will also, of course, as I said, be adding in two of two books that aren't even out yet. One that I don't have to worry about until the end of the challenge, and one that gets entered into it around May. Whether or not I will read it immediately is uh, up for debate. We'll see where I'm at. We'll see. Uh, but basically, what that means is, what I'm going to try and do is immediately knock out two books. That way I build up a guaranteed extra week. And ideally, so, so basically my, my goal for this week, and we'll see how well it plays out uh, in the next update. But ideally, what will happen is I will read through the first Percy Jackson book, read through the second Percy Jackson book, and be well into the third Percy Jackson book by next update. That is the ideal. So, in terms of update language, I will have read two and a half books by the next update, or I'll have posted two shorts this coming up week. Is the idea. Whether or not I'm able to do it, I don't know. We'll see. But that's kind of my initial plan to kind of counteract the threat of the Kane Chronicles. <laughs> But, you know, that, that's just my general first plan of attack. Generally, I would like to try to keep it to one book a week, but I already know that there are going to be points where I slow down. The Spacer books, as much as they're there to help alleviate and give me something vastly different from Percy Jackson, they're also a roadblock, essentially. It stops me from making Percy Jackson progress too fast. And they're all... All of the Spacer books, as well as the Trials of Apollo, Magnus Chase, and the, of course, books that aren't out yet, I haven't read. And the same goes for Kane Chronicles. I've never read Kane Chronicles, uh, so if it's added to the challenge, it will be my first experience uh, reading Kane Chronicles. <laughs> so th that's going to be fun. But with books that I haven't read, I tend to linger longer on them. The fastest I've read a book from Fresh is like two days. And that's a special exception. That's, that's a special exception that the uh, it, it was a bit of an odd circumstance. Basically I had finished a book in two weeks and I was like I was feeling you know nice and happy about that and I immediately hopped into this next book. And I was completely absorbed and just burned through it. The two Star Wars books, Outbound Flight and uh, 
Shadows of the Empire. They should be fine, in theory. The one I'm the most worried about is actually Sphere by Michael Crichton, because that's a pretty long book, and Michael Crichton gets scientific in a lot of his books, so it, it can kind of drone on for a bit sometimes. <laughs> so that, that's one of my worries. I'm not too, too worried, but I'm worried. That's why I built in the backup weeks. The three backup weeks were for the three spacers. Because, like, a Percy Jackson, the Percy Jackson-esque book, I can push through in a week. I can force myself through in a week. But other th other ones I have trouble with. So, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, The also, the big extra bonus challenge uh, at the end of this long six-month challenge is win the Chalice of the Gods... Uh, the sixth Percy Jackson and the Olympians book comes out. I have the fun, fun task of trying to read it in like three days. I will be pretty much putting my money where my mouth is and trying to really crunch a book in a really, really short period of time. Because regardless of where I end uh, the last book that I end up reading, be it you know, a week before or anything, when Chalice of the Gods comes out, I will only have three days, regardless. There is no finishing this challenge early, technically. I might get, like, a nice week break <laughs> before Chalice of the Gods comes out. Otherwise, um, nope. <laughs> no break for me. Ugh. Anywho, uh, th that's kind of my strategies. I'm going to try to push through just in case the Kane Chronicles are added to the list. Uh, which, you know, honestly, if things go well, and how I'm hoping they will, I'm kind of expecting the Kane Chronicles to be added to the list. Yeah? So, that, that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm going to take it seriously. I'm not going to be the fool who's like, bah, I'm not going to hit a thousand subscribers. That's when you guys do it super fast, and then I have to scramble after I've already moved past the super easy part of the challenge <laughs> because this what i'm considering the super easy part of the challenge is the first five percy jackson books and then the heroes of olympus books those 10 books are the easy part of the challenge they're books i've already read in fact they're books i've read multiple times so i should be able to get through them pretty fast but if you guys end up adding it after i get past that You've added three books I've never read at a point where I can no longer make up time. So I'm not going to be the fool that allows that situation to happen. I'm going to I'm going to assume you guys will you you guys will meet the challenge, get me to a thousand subscribers, and then I'll have to add in the Kane Chronicles. But that is for the future to go. You know, as of this video, technically, uh, as of, I don't know, let's see, uh, about eight hours ago, from the posting of this uh, episode, the challenge has begun. The challenge has officially started, and with any luck, in the next week, you will get two shorts updates, as I'll have burned through this first two books, uh, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But, 
for those of you who don't really care about the shorts updates, join me next week as I update you again. The updates will, will be kind of nebulous of the main episodes, just so you know. So I'll, I'll probably be pre-recording most of the main episode portion, and then I'll be adding an update to it. So so they may they might feel a bit disjointed, but I will know what updates going to what what video or <laughs> what updates going to what episode essentially. So uh, like this update as obviously is part of the D and D episode. Uh, this one I'm I am recording directly onto the main episode, so that makes it easy. But the next update will be on I believe uh, Strangers of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. Finally. Because originally this update was tied to that, but then I remembered, oh yeah, I plan on doing an episode on D&D. Then I realized, oh yeah, I was kind of planning on doing an episode on Mario. I guess I'm not anymore because I'm getting tired of shifting the list down and re-recording the Strangers of Paradise episode. As it is, I have to record an addendum to that episode, so it's getting extra. <laughs> it's getting extra. But anywho, that's it. That's the update. That's D&D and everything. Thank you guys so much for listening. I will talk to you guys later, next week, or uh, in the shorts, uh, hopefully later this week. We'll see. Anyway, thank you guys so much. Goodbye.